The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome to all of you intentional spirits, both of you as part of our live audience today, as well as individuals that are listening to this in the form of a podcast at another time. Well, we talk about now more than ever the necessity of being an intentional spirit. Uh, intentional people are very different than people who have intentions, because if we look at intentions, we think of something as simple as New Year's resolutions. They're a great list, they're good intentions, and yet it really takes an intentional spirit to carry them through, to make them work. And that brings me to our author today, because she's very different than just someone with intentions. She is an intentional spirit. She is someone that regardless of how she feels, or the weather, or what other things may be going on in the universe, she's still moving forward with carrying out her intentions, and that's the distinction And that's the difference. So I'm thrilled to have as the guest today on our show, someone that is very powerful, that has been impacting corporations and people throughout the world, Jane Clarkston. Jane, welcome to our show today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be with you, Temple. Really looking forward to this. Well, one of the things that I know so many people want to know about our particular uh, guest that we have is... How did you become an intentional spirit? Well, probably like most people, it came unexpectedly. Um, I was born in the Appalachian area of Kentucky and raised in a Pentecostal church, which meant, um, as one of my cousins says, we were drug addicts. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night we were trying to church on Friday night, and that did not include prayer meetings in that. So growing up with a So in other words, you just went home to change clothes. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, I grew up with a very solid religious background. Kind of fell away from my church um, in my teenage years. And when I met my husband, he was from a very um, strong European family, and they were Catholic, so I converted and raised my children as Catholic because I did believe that that was really important for them to have religious upbringing. After 20 years of marriage, we divorced and um, we went our separate ways. The Catholic Church is not always the greatest if you are a divorced person. So kind of fell away from the Catholic Church, um, still a Christian and living my life that way, but I also was in a very high management 
job as in emergency planning. And this lifetime, I think I'm living three or four different lifetimes because I've I've had several very intriguing and successful careers. But I was a National Sparks Post spokesperson on emergency planning for commercial buildings. And this was before 911 when, except for schools and hospitals, really no one did it. Um, was doing a segment on CNN one day, worldwide news coverage, and I had a panic attack on camera. Wow. Oh, yeah, that, that's a big wow. Um, went home and things continued to really go downhill quickly. I got to the point where I became afraid to leave my house and was starting to have like the chest pains and all the things that go on with anxiety disorder and eventually ended up in an ER one time convinced I was having a heart attack. And if you want a quick physical, go into an ER room, tell them you think you're having a heart attack and you get um, what would probably take a month doing it outpatient as far as medical testing, you get it done in a very fast array. The doctors came back in after all the test results were done, and they looked at me and said, I've never seen anyone as healthy as you. Wow. You, you remind me of the scene from uh, Something's Gotta Give with Jack uh-huh. Nicholson. <laughs> uh-huh. Remember that? He and Diane Keaton. He used to be yep. brushed. He was having panic attacks, and he'd go over to the hospital, and it wasn't related um, to his heart, but the heart of things that really mattered to him. Wow. Gosh, that's a, that must have been for someone so healthy. So what happened after that? Well, I went home that day, and I mean, here I was given this incredible gift. I mean, um, nothing's more important than your health. And to be declared so healthy and yet feeling so out of it, you know, I really thought I was losing my mind and I was going to end up in a mental institution. Um, Things did not get any better, and I finally decided I had to reach out for help. Now, I picked up a yellow page phone book. This is before the Internet. And randomly found a psychologist who was uh, near my home, and I went to visit him. Would you believe that he was um, a lifelong member of Unity and one of Jack Boland's best friends? And, of course, for people not real familiar with Unity, Jack Boland back in the founding days uh, of getting the churches going is is a landmark pillar. Yes, he is. So... I didn't want medication. I still to this day, and by the grace of God, I take no, I take vitamins. Other than that, I take no medication, and I didn't want to go on Prozac. So he said, okay, I'll tell you what. He said, if you want to do the work, he said, there's something we can try. And he introduced me to the Louise Hay series of You Can Heal Your Life. That was kind of the beginning of really realizing how much our thoughts and our past influence us. I grew up in a home um, where until I was 18 years old, my father had a severe drinking problem, so extremely dysfunctional, often uh, abusive home. None of that had really been dealt with, and it was a matter of going back, re-examining every experience of my life, going through all the forgiveness and all the things that we talk about, and it was a process. It took about nine months, but I came out of it... um, much stronger and much more focused and also realized that even though I was doing work that was beneficial, 
I wasn't doing what I was really called to do. So I went back, re-combobbled some of my education, took some courses, and became a counselor. Um, and I taught primarily stress management, never got into, you know, marriage or family therapy, that type of thing, but people who were suffering from anxiety disorder because it is life disruptive. I mean, people can kind of laugh and joke, but if people who really have uh, the panic attacks and the uncontrolled anxiety, it can totally shut them down. It can end marriages, and um, that's where my life took me. So quite a story. What was really what I thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to me going back to that moment on CNN turned out to be one of my biggest blessings. Absolutely. I I liken those experiences to that there's two different ways that we are born. One is our birth story, our creation story, in how we're born into a family or in a culture or with religiosity, the culture in which we're shaped, right? But then we have these events in our lives that really create us to who we're born to be. And if more people could just see it that way, you know, instead of just thinking about the, the, the tragedy and the inconvenience and things, and they are often tragic or they, they can be scary, you know, when you're an absolute picture of health, but then here you are and you're ha- your body is wanting to get your attention. Um, I don't know how often we've said in life and in stress management, it's funny, I, up until you were you know, going to be on the show, I didn't know. You may not know that I traveled for years teaching stress management classes, as well as I was one of Richard Carlson's chosen instructors of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Um, and so anyway, that being said, if, if people could see uh, that events, um, the ones that catch us off guard, are, are such a defining way to a new path for ourselves. And good for you for noticing that. And then, of course, my my next big question for you is, because when I was teaching stress management, I was fascinating at how many opportunities I had, first of all, to let go of some of my spiritual arrogance. Um, <laughs> because I had I've never worked in a career except maybe once, uh, perhaps twice at the most in my entire adult life, that I, like, had to work hours, you know, like things were rigid and, and same stuff, different day and things like that, or, you know, people that wait in traffic for two hours. And it was a great big uh, a wake-up call for me to really find out. Of course, the one that fascinated me the most was very often on the front row, uh, the people that were there taking the courses uh, were church employees. <laughs> and I found that very uh, <laughs> enlightening, you know, of making a big check mark. like, I will be sure that as I'm part of a community that people won't be able to see, you know, our people in stress management workshops that they didn't want to be in, but somebody sent them. So I was just curious with your experiences. It's a vast learning about our our human culture, isn't it, and the things people stress about? Well, true. I mean, we live live in a stressful world. And we'll get into, as we get into my book a little bit, you turn on the TV in the morning. 
or your computer or your iPhone or iPad, you're not hearing happy, enlightening news. Unfortunately, you turn on whatever form of media you're you're, um, hooked into, you're going to hear of um, deaths. You're going to hear of, you know, terrorist threats. Um, It is a frightening world that we live in anymore. And it starts your day out on a real downer. I mean, you know, it would be great to, there's been a thing circulating on Facebook that, you know, you're waiting till you turn on the TV and the big news story of the day is that there is peace on earth. And that's what we're all striving for, but we have a long ways to go before we get there. Um, People can take a small thing and make a mountain out of it. I know with my hypnotherapy, um, I dealt with a lot of serious stress issues. But one of the most um, enduring that I've never forgot was a young father who came in one day. And what he was really wanting help with, and he turned to hypnotherapy, was he was hooked on Slurpees. And I forget how many he was drinking a day, but he had a young son that looked up to him, and he didn't want his son to follow his addiction to um, drinking sugary syrup all day long. So, I mean, to him that was a big deal. But it's whatever is troubling you. Oftentimes, and I know what had happened with me, we've had a lot of things come up in our life, and instead of dealing with them, you take a deep breath, and because this is America, and, you know, life goes on, and you got to charge forward, you shove them down, and, you know, sooner or later, it's like trying to pack a suitcase. You can only get so much into it. You shove down so many hurts and so many disappointments and so many wrongs that they start to produce themselves either with ill health, um, erratic behavior, and sooner or later you have to deal with it or else you um, you become a very, very unhappy person. And that's a shame because we're supposed to be here to enjoy and love every day. Well, it's a good thing that you've dedicated um, so much of your work to this and to to these endeavors. For those of you that are listening and are live with us today, you can go to Jane Clarkston's website, janeclarkston.com, and start reading up on her and following her for the work that she's doing. Well, one of the reasons that we're here today is to talk about Jane's new book, The Shrouded Caverns, A Quest for Truth Under the Sands by Jane Clarkston. So how did this... um, this is a birthing process, <laughs> and ha- having been an author a few times, I applaud you. Um, it's a tremendous amount of effort and energy and commitment. And so how did this idea come to you? Is there a story behind it? Oh, yes. The biggest spiritual experience of my life is behind this book. In 1998, I woke up in the middle of the night with the brightest light I've ever seen in my bedroom. And it was like in the chalk drawing of a human form. And it had the words authentically and the letter U underneath it. It was a book cover. And I sat straight up in bed and stared at this apparition. 
laid back down, closed my eyes, and fell into this deep, restful sleep. And the next morning, literally bolted 10 foot out of bed because I remembered every detail of what had happened. And I knew it was a book cover and absolutely no explanation. Um, Yes, it was at the foot of my bed. Was it an angel? Didn't look like an angel. It looks like someone who had laid down and someone had taken a piece of chalk and basically drawn an outline form of a person. But this light was brilliant. I can't describe it. I did that day check with the Library of Congress and find out that, no, there was not a book by the name of Authentically You. And I checked it down that I was a speaker, I was a teacher, I was a counselor, I was not an author. And I tried to go merrily on my way. And I did that for a number of years, um, probably about three years before I really decided this book had to be written. Some, But it was always as if I had an invisible force tapping me on the shoulder, regardless of what I was doing, saying, you need to be writing. Out of the blue, and I can't explain it, my sister, after she read the book, said, how did you become so intrigued with Egypt? And I have no logical explanation for that. Um, like everyone, I think I had a fascination with the pyramids. But, I mean, it became an obsession. By coincidence, I contacted John Anthony West, and he, if you don't know who he is, he's probably one of the leading archaeologists in the world. You see him on the Discovery Channel, History Channel, and we conversed uh, on the Internet for a while and then by phone conversations, and John became my mentor, and he's extremely brilliant. He had me reading books that were not even obtainable in the United States. I had to go to local library, and they have a borrowing program and have them sent in. And this went on for a couple of years. And it was actually after Dan Brown came out with the um, Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. that I saw a way to blend all this together. My book is classified as a factual fiction. Now, how's that for an oxymoron? (laughs) I love that. A factual fictional. (laughs) But where that comes from, the places in the book are real. Okay. And they have um, actually even the character. The main character in my book is an oncologist who I met when I was working in one of the hospitals. And he was very much into um, alternative health and spirituality and he was a department head, extremely frustrated that he couldn't share his knowledge with his patients because it was not accepted for hospital policy. Um, My main character in the book is an oncologist, and his wife had died of a form of cancer that he was not able to cure. And then a number of years later, a young woman came in identical to his wife in the same stage as the cancer. She refused medical treatment, came back six months later, and they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. And his quest for hidden knowledge starts, and he joins an old friend in Egypt, and they are looking for Edgar Cayce's Hall of Records is where it starts out, but they end up in the mystery schools of Egypt. Um, The book has a lot of turns and twists to it, and as I had said before, it is factual until you get to the very end, and just like with the Da Vinci Code, nobody has 
the complete answers to this yet, but I have taken one of the theories of what the Great Pyramid of um, Giza was designed for, and a lot of people think that that was part of the mystery schools. And people went there, the Intnets, and they studied there. And in the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid, there's still groups that can get in there, and they go in there to meditate. Any of your archaeologists that you talk to or any of your scientists, whether they're religious or not, will tell you that there is an undeniable energy that you sense when you are in that building. Sounds have occurred. Um, Napoleon was said to have spent one night in the king's chamber and came running out terrified, and he was so afraid he never revealed what happened to him in there, even up until his death. So I believe that um, the mystery schools taught meditation. And where we are in the world today is where I did an article that was picked up and it, it hit about 300 news outlets a few weeks ago. And it was tied into the election. But it was titled, um, Have Voters Become a Mass? group of hypnotized zombies with the media in command. People don't think anymore. We're too busy and there's too much data coming to us. And I really believe our true power is within. And you get to that by learning how to go into the silence and tapping into this innate gift that we're born with that would really solve the majority of problems in the world. So it is an interesting story with... um, I I was in the corporate world too long to where I hate to be bored. So I wrote the book as soon as the first two or three short chapters have established the characters, it takes off, and they go from one calamity to the other. But there is truth written into the book all the way to the very end. It's so interesting because I I said to uh, Reverend Maggie Cook today that this book reminds me somewhat of the Da Vinci Code. And that was such a powerful story. And and this is as well. If you're just tuning in, we are talking to the author Jane Clarkston. She is the author of The Shrouded Cavern. She is a corporate expert um, on stress management. She is also uh, a go-to person related to national issues. She's featured on Fox News, ABC, NBC, and CNN on topics of relaxation and alternative health. And she is a new thoughter all the way. As we're taking this time out, take the time to go to her website, janeclarkston.com. You can order her book from right there on her website. And I want to thank all of you for your continued uh, contributions to Unity Online Radio. It's because of you that we are featured in countries throughout the world that we are part of an awakening world. That's how we hold it, and that's how we know it to be true. And so we are more mindful than ever of the way we affirm our world, of what we speak about it, and knowing a greater truth within ourselves. We'll be right back following this short break. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. 
Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. You have a coach in your corner, a life coach that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. This Christmas, recall the childlike joy of the holidays with The Wonder of Christmas, a new Advent booklet from Unity. Request or download your free booklet today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. The Wonder of Christmas supports your Advent journey with inspirational messages, scripture, uplifting stories, beautiful poems, and more. Download or request your free copy today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. That's unity.org slash UOR Advent. But hurry. Advent begins November 27th. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. I am speaking with author Jane Clarkson, and uh, she is the author of The Shrouded Caverns, um, A Quest for Truth Under the Sands. You can go to her website and find out more about her work and what she represents in the in the world. So, uh, Jane, I love your journey, and I love how you have shape-shifted through all the different things that life has brought you on the path, both the things that you have invited and, and, and also those unwelcome guests. You know, I don't know about you, but that's my greatest learning is when I, um, as I like to say shamanically, those things that were kind and unkind, mm-hmm. the most unkind things were the ones that have developed me the most um, and have been part of that shape-shifting experience for me. Um, let's tell uh, our listening audience, um, in reading your book and delving into it, um, what are some of the takeaways? Um, obviously, their own perception, their own life experiences, they're going to have a, their own unique listening. But an overview, what are some of the takeaways that when you were writing the book, you were hoping that they would discover? One of the things that I truly believe, I, the research that went into this book, it took 18 years to write it uh, from 
not wanting to write it. And as one thing I had mentioned, too, the original title that I had seen that night when I had my visitation was Authentically You. The publishers felt that that sounded too much like a self-help book, and the title was changed. So Authentically You may be the next book that comes out that will be a self-help book um, to learning how to find inner peace. But in the book and with the research, the more you, for every question that I would try to find the answer to regarding Giza and the pyramids, 10 or 15 more questions came up. And I finally realized that you know it would take multiple lifetimes and you still wouldn't scratch the surface. But I am inclined to believe that there is hidden knowledge. And um, where Edgar Cayce had predicted that they would find the caverns, yes, the caverns are there. But everyone is restricted now in Egypt. It's very, very difficult to get a permit to do any type of... Um, Search or investigation, it was like when they found the hidden doors in some of in the Queen's chamber. It took them like 10 years before they actually allowed a research team in there with a tiny camera to just try to see what might be behind that door. Meanwhile, they had shut the pyramid down and done cleaning inside. So the book goes with the theory that there is a group of men that is withholding knowledge. And if you go back and you think about it with the Great Library of Alexandria, it burned down. They had some remaining text, and they moved that to a sister library, and they have a fire. Um, going back to when the Bible was canonized, all of the books that were rejected, instead of putting them aside, they burned them also. So I, I, my take and where we go with the book is that we all have this tremendous gift of um, intuition and being able to tap into universal consciousness to get our answers. Children, young children, have it until we tell them that they're being ridiculous and they shut down. Um, and information in that pyramid and in a lot of the other great mysteries, if people knew what they were capable of doing, we would not be a controllable society. Yes. And as it is right now, and the article that I wrote that I mentioned earlier that was picked up by the media a few weeks ago is that we're just like a bunch of zombies. I mean, we are told what to think, what to believe, what to wear, what to eat. And uh, what I'm hoping the book brings out is that people realize that they have the power, that they're not dependent on circumstance, that something is simple and you've heard it your entire life. If you think you can or you can't, you're right. And if people can learn to trust their own God-given abilities and intuition to um, be willing to take that leap of faith, that they can totally turn their life around. And our thoughts are so powerful even getting into the alternative health. Um, as you are aware, I lost the love of my life a year ago in September. And he worked in oncology. And we had all the, the best of doctors from around the world that uh, consulted with him and tried to help him. And it was interesting. They were in the scientific field, and all the emphasis was on science. But about two weeks before he made his transition, these doctors started coming in one by one, and they would say, no, things are not looking good, but don't give up because 
I had this patient that I put in hospice, and, you know, we thought he was a goner. Well, gee, that was eight years ago. For some reason, he healed, and he's doing great today. And doctor after doctor came in with that same type of um, story. So, again, why and how do some people manage to overcome a uh, terminal illness and others don't? I had to look at that um, when Gary died myself. My grandmother, an old Appalachian lady, used to say that before we were born, the hairs on our head were numbered. And, you know, it could be before we come into this life that uh, everything is predestined as to how long we're going to stay. I don't know, but I do know without a doubt that uh, you have a lot more power over your body and your condition than you can ever imagine. Wayne Dyer went to what used to be the church of today in the Detroit area, and that was the church that I went to when I lived in Michigan. And I was a chaplain there. I got to know him quite well. And one of the things that Wayne used to say that I always loved was every time flu season came around, you know, he said there's always going to be that one person that's going to say, oh, I know I'm going to be the first one to get it. And it was like standing up waving your hands in the air saying, here I am, come to me. So again, paying attention to your thoughts and uh, really starting to monitor your self-chatter, which is, which is a very frightening thing to do, uh, can open you up to an entire different world. But we are not powerless, and we are in control of our life. And if people would only realize that uh, they have that little spark of God inside of them, there is really nothing that can hold them back from doing whatever they want to do. Well, I love, I love what you're saying, and to me that is the significance of um, spiritual communities throughout the world in unity and in science of mind, divine science, and some of the other teachings is to urge people to really think for themselves. That was the true birth. And the, I mean, it goes way back, right, to Plato, Socrates, oh, um, yes. all the philosophers through the world. So it's not new thought as far as that it's not new. It's very ancient teachings like the ones that you are uh, referencing in your book. But it's asking us to have a new thought or to, you know, think out of the box because, um I, too, realized that when I was a little girl, you know, we would take a drive in the, to my grandparents, to the doctor. The ride home was what they said, what the doctor and the nurse said would be their experience, and that's what they uh, dwelled upon. And Absolutely. you're so right. Um, as I speak about in my own book, we have so many people that have become robotic in nature. It's like, just tell me what to do. Just give me an answer, any answer, without ever you know, living in the question of is it is it appropriate for me? What I like about your book is it's taking on um, some of the successful trends of books today. If we can tell the story without people thinking it's a self help book, <laughs> you know they'll get that they'll get that underneath message. Um, I mean, many years as a counselor and life coach, you know, often people will come to see me and they get to the real stuff the last five minutes. Um, not that they didn't come originally uh, seeking something, some kind of awareness, but we have this tendency to have this self-defensiveness, even when it's things 
you know, that aren't working. And so what I love about your book is here's the person delving into this character and in Egypt and everything else. And, and what's going to catch them off guard is a real self-help moment. Um, but their walls weren't up. They weren't, you know, like hoping that they didn't, you know, look too much in the mirror um, to be too vulnerable. And there you go. That's what, you know, that's what happened. I mean, I, I have friends that are determined not to watch their sugar and are going, oh, that's no big deal. I'm going to eat what I want, you know, when I want. So when I make or feature, you know, these things that don't have any carbs and aren't made of real sugar, I don't tell them. <laughs> well, I, so. So it's they scary to, you know, <laughs> it's scary to take off a mask and let people yes. see who you really are. Um, I think everybody feels vulnerable, but what I have noticed, and and I think you and I are probably in the same neighborhood of age, pretty close, that. When you look back oh, from our... Me on. <laughs> what, <laughs> you put it that way, uh, what neighborhood are you living in currently? <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you that when we're off the air. Let's just put it this way. I have grown children and grandchildren, so I've been around for a while. But when you look back to growing up in the uh, 50s and 60s, what an innocent society we were, and, I mean, you know, you you had, what, three or four TV stations. The radio played music or, you know, there was maybe the special shows that people would listen to on the radio. What I have seen, and, and I love the outdoors and I love being by the ocean. Um, that's what brought me to Florida. And I'm a walker. And it just absolutely drives me insane to be walking along the beautiful shoreline of, of an ocean, whether it be here in St. Pete or um, when I lived in California, the Pacific Ocean, people aren't even paying attention. They've got either they've got their earphones on or they've got a tablet or an iPhone in their hand and they're walking and, I mean, they're oblivious to everything. But just watch, and anyone who's listening to this too, it's hard to get through a conversation where you're asking um, advice on something or, gee, do you know how to do something or where some location is, somebody is going to pick up the phone and they are going to Google it. And that is how we live, to where we don't think. And there's no creativity. And, I mean, it's whatever the media is feeding us. And I have found this past year out with all the um, bantering going back and forth with the election in the media fighting back and forth. You know, it depends on which station and, and which newscast you're listening to on which on what you're going to believe. And, and that's the problem. Uh, something particularly coming off of a national news source like that, people take to be fact. And I think a lot of times we get a, a lot of wonderful information from the media, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it's also to the point you feel inferior, which gets back to the anxiety. If you're not living up to the standards that's being put forth on how much money you're making, what kind of clothes you're wearing, what kind of car you're driving, to where that is creating the pressure, too. People need to let go of some of that and limit their exposure to it. Again, as far as meditation goes, I used to teach a group of cardiac rehab in California, uh, how a simple walk 
in a beautiful park or by the ocean was a form of meditation. You don't have to sit with your eyes closed to do it. It's taking in nature and it's listening to the sounds of nature. And that all resonates with every single cell in your body. So, you know, people just need to really start paying attention to what's going on, thinking for themselves, and trying to connect to that inner voice that's on the inside. And I mean, if you look through the Bible, um, Jesus went to the desert to meditate and to pray. When we pray, we're asking. When we're meditating, we are listening for that small, still voice. And that is the key to finding your inner happiness and finding the guidance to know what to do next in your life. That's very powerful. Um, When you are um, teaching meditation, is there, and this always comes up um, in any class I've ever given or program regarding meditation, do you feel there's one specific type that's better than another? Or do you feel it's more uh, an individual's choice of what works for them? Interesting that you might ask that. Uh, What I have been the most successful with is teaching basically a Brian Weiss form of meditation, being a hypnotherapist, and of course, too, if you're familiar with Brian Weiss, who wrote Many Lives, Many Masters, he uh, was the one, I believe he was president of the State of Florida Psychiatric Association when he became a very devout believer in past lives, and here he came forward with that seven years after he discovered it uh, and put his whole career on on the line. But mine is guided meditation that I have used um, in my private practice with in the corporate world and in the universities. Whatever works best for an individual person, I think, is powerful. Now, when I was in California about a month ago, I was at the CPAC um, conference out there, which have a lot of the leading scientists in that. Gary Evans, who has done a lot of work in the pyramids on the, on the sound resignation, he's from London, England, and he teaches um, a sound meditation in England where they're actually using a gong, and they let that the sound of the gong vibrate through the person, and they're having high success with it in corporate settings there. He is. Um, he and I are working on getting that started here in the United States, and I'm. A, I've been a little bit skeptical on how corporate America in the United States might react to bringing a big gong into a corporate setting and and doing it. Uh, some people may object to it, and, and he and I had a very in-depth conversation about this last week. But he said even the most conservative person, because they're not being asked to do anything, but just sit there and let the sound and the vibration of that sound penetrate them, they find that they are hitting a different level of relaxation and being able to go deeper and deeper into the sound of silence. So, you know, it's whatever works for you. Um, A lot of people... I know like the chanting, a lot of people work with the singing bowls. I have a singing bowl that I love, but I have used that in my work, and that either has gone over very, very well or people have objected to it. So again, it's a personal preference. There's no right, there's no wrong. It's just finding 
what's good for you, and, and that's what you go with. Um, we would have some opportunities here in our county to look at getting you into some school systems if you're interested. So that's a conversation that we can have at another time, but there are different directions that we could go um, as an affiliate with Global Peace Workers. That would be pretty exciting. It would be great. And, you know, you were talking a few minutes ago about some of the greatest tragedies, tragedies being um, our great openings. And, yes, I have got this very blessed background and have had a lot of experience, but I'll tell you what, I was to a point in my life where I thought my life was all figured out, and then when you lose your life partner, it was almost as if somebody took a blackboard and erased it bare, and here you are, and you're starting all over again, just like when you were 18 years old, on how you're going to spend the rest of your life. So, yes, I am hoping, and I'm hoping the book helps, to get back into um, some corporate teaching. I was working up until about two and a half years ago, but when his health became too um, frail, I had to go into sabbatical and have moved from the West Coast to Florida. So everything is brand new for me again. So it is starting over again, and... uh, You know, great opportunities. I'm very grateful to have the book and the support that I have. But uh, it can be a little intimidating, particularly as you start to get a little bit older, to be back at square one. And what what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, I have no doubt, based upon your other experiences and everything else that you've done, to uh, be part of that transformation that... uh, of what's very evident to you is you're much more comfortable being a butterfly than you are a cocoon. That's that's self-evident for sure. No doubt about it. Um, the, what are some of the comments? Have, have there been um, a, a time or two that as someone's told you, you know, before I read the book, this is where I was or where I was, you know, feeling or whatever. And then I read the book and wow, I had, an epiphany or an aha moment? People who have... Now, the book was released um, about seven weeks ago. Yeah, and it hasn't yes, been that long. Not, not that long. And, of course, as you probably know, too, as an author, it's hard to get those people... And I do the same thing. It's hard to get people to go on to Amazon and leave the reviews. And those are so important to an author, particularly with Amazon. But the book is eye-opening. A lot of people said it was not what they were expecting because it's a hard book to explain. It definitely is. It's classified, like I say, as a factual fiction thriller. It is a book that is going to um, take you to actual places and events What I have found that this great planet we live on, too, is fact is so much stranger than fiction. I I can't understand why people invent so many things to write about when you look at what's sitting right in front of you that is just unexplainable and and mind-boggling. But it does take them, and it's hard to totally answer your question without giving away too much of the book. The end of the book does put it into a different perception, and it takes a lot of gets into some of the ancient history that people are aware of and the things that are actually occurring today that is capable or obtainable for any person to do. So we'll just have to leave it at that. 
but it is a life-changing book. I've had uh, someone said to me, if everyone read the book, it would be a lot better world that we live in because there's no new information. I think every writer who's trying to write something like this, you're just coming at it at a different perception, hopefully to get that person who hasn't got it before to give them that aha moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the truth is so simple. I, I don't believe... Life should be nearly as difficult as we make it. I've often thought when we get to the other side, we're going to look back and, you know, one of those aha moments, you're going to hit your head on, gee, I should have had a V8. I mean, was it really that simple? And we make it so complicated to where we are created to be able to um, make our own decisions and to lead our life in the direction that we want it to go. Too many times people are living a life that they think they should be living. And that was one thing that I really learned when I was teaching at the University of Michigan. How many of the students were there to obtain a degree, and it wasn't a degree that they wanted, but it was one that the parents thought would be best for the child. And that's a, you talk about getting into a stress management moment, that's a tough one. But uh, parents are doing what they think is best for the kid. But, you know, kid doesn't want to be an attorney. They want to be a landscaper. And everyone needs to find their purpose and their passion and what brings you joy because work shouldn't be a burden. Whatever it is you're doing for a living should be bringing you joy and bringing you fulfillment. And if you, what I always used to tell the students, if you do what you love, you will be successful. And when you're successful, the abundance will come with it also. So it's becoming that authentic person. Was that uh, the message I was supposed to get that night? You know, taking off the mask and letting people see who you are, living uh, a life that is full of light, reaching out, trying to help people. There's more than enough of everything for everyone. We don't have to you know, worry about that. And the more you give, the more you receive. And those are the truths and the words of wisdom from our author today that we have featured, Jane Clarkston. You can go to her website, janeclarkston.com. That's C-L-A-R-K-S-T-O-N, janeclarkston.com, and read all about her and watch some of her videos and see the tremendous work that she's doing. Jane, thank you so much for being an intentional spirit. And for those of you that love these types of conversations, you can join us live on Sunday mornings at firstunity.org. Our our, um, our Facebook is First Unity Spiritual Campus. And please visit me at templehays.com. Always a pleasure to share truths and insights and ideas that are a part of us continuing to awaken this world. Thank you, Jane, so much, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being with us today, and it is going to be interesting to see you soaring and see the other things that you get into as life unfolds, because if you're in my neighborhood, I'm in yours as far as age, then we are just so young, and we've only just begun. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I agree with you. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You too. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. of thousands of listeners like you have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of her beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at Shop. Dot unityonline.org It's been said that the way to build a peaceful world is one person at a time. Think about it. Haven't we all been in situations where one person's attitude, his or her state of mind and way of being, had a profound effect on everyone in the group? We may have seen times when the effect was negative, caused by gossip or backbiting. But we've all seen times where one person changed an environment in a positive way. By maintaining a friendly attitude of goodwill toward everyone, he or she gradually influenced more and more members of the group to do the same. Before long, the positive attitude became the norm. Peace began with one person. I look for opportunities to be that person. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman 
and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Reverend Paul Hasselbeck, Reverend Bill Holton, and Reverend Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. 
make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.